Hello and welcome to the Cinema Judge. To all my regulars out there, welcome back. Now if you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Let me briefly tell you what the show is about. We love movies. We like to share movies with you. That's what we do. We're not here to yell about Hollywood, complain about Hollywood, any of those things. The studios, they send us interviews, clips, on-set footage, and scenes from the red carpet. What I do is I put it together, make one giant infomercial, and I give you the evidence, and you make up your own mind. Who am I to tell you not to see a movie or to see a movie? That's up to you. We want you to spend your hard-earned money wisely. Consider this a movie oasis, a place where you can step away from all the life's problems, because we all have them, and just hear about a movie. Get all the details and information so you can collect it yourself, and you determine if you want to see this movie or not. Because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. Now, approaching the bench today... We have the movie, a rom-com, a very original rom-com, Bros. Now here's the story in a nutshell. Two men with commitment problems attempt a relationship. But what really sets this movie apart is it's a gay movie made by a major studio. And it's a rom-com. And that's what's so unique about it. It's, I don't know if it's ever been done. I mean, we have to maybe look it up. It's produced by Judd Apatow, and we know his record. Look at what he's done. All the different other kind of rom-coms or teen movies. But now he gets to do one for the gay community. And I think it's a breath of fresh air. Now this movie stars Luke McFarlane and Billy Eichner. Now you might be familiar with Billy Eichner from Billy on the Street. It ran from 2011 to 2019. So they're both in this movie. So here's a trailer for Bros. Hey guys, it's Bobby Lieber coming to you from the future home of the LGBTQ Plus Museum. Everyone is really excited and totally getting along. This happens to be Bisexual Awareness Week and no one has acknowledged it! Lesbian History Month was in March! Nobody said a goddamn thing! Of course, lesbians get a month and we get a week. So what's happening? Didn't you guys have an announcement? This is a little unexpected, but we are in a thruple situation. Yeah. You're in a thruple? Let me tell you what's progressive now. Being alone. I love my life. I love my freedom. I love my independence. That's kind of sad. That I don't want to be in a thruple. I don't even want to be in a couple. Freedom. Bobby, I had sex with that 65-year-old. Jesus, he's ripped. I know. It's like they injected steroids into Dumbledore. Oh my God, that's Aaron. He's very hot. Gay guys are so stupid. I know. But we've been smart enough to brand ourselves as being smart. It's our little secret. You met a guy? I don't think I'm his type. He's like gay Tom Brady. What are you into? One of these ripped idiots with no opinions? No, I like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. And I bet he's as intimidated by you as you are by him. I'm down for whatever. Yeah, I can do whenever and I can do whatever. Cool. Whatever, whenever. GIF of Michael Scott dancing. Office GIF? This person isn't gay. I need you to be honest with me. You like these growy, meathead idiots. Oh, look, they're fighting. You like that? I can be tough like your boys. Oh, that's what you like, What's going on? Oh, that's cool. Bye bye. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Now I have to go to a Pride party and you're both 
too old to be in the pool. Please leave. People are threatening to boycott the museum. You can't say Lincoln was gay. If we don't do this, we're letting the heterosexual terrorists win. There are trans terrorists too. Caitlyn Jenner. You're so different from me. You're very intense. I like to keep things chill. I can be chill. Just like a manly man. Sup? Sup? I got you. Yeah. Don't need some help here, bro. Oh, okay, I'm gonna need some help here, bro. What is going on with you? My whole life, I prided myself on being self-reliant, but this guy has gone into my head. Maybe you're both bottoms and that's a problem. Gay sex was more fun when straight people were uncomfortable with it. Oh my god, do you guys remember straight people? Yeah, they had a nice run. Now, just by listening to that trailer, it you can feel the tone. It's light, it's fun, it's right in that wheelhouse of Judd Apatow, train wreck, all that kind of stuff. But it's done with a different group. Now, coming up first... We're going to play a featurette. Now, in this featurette, this is what happens. The studio, they send us interviews in clips, and they all put it, they put it together in one little mini, mini couple-minute video, and you'll hear from the director or the actor or stuff like that, and they're just going to talk more about the movie and the project. So that's what's going to happen here. Here's that featurette. I wanted a movie that showed in a very funny but realistic way two adult gay men who both prided themselves on not needing a relationship. What happened to those men when they fell in love for the first time? What are you into? One of these boring, ripped idiots with no opinions? No, I like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. The first decision made about casting was that my love interest would be played by another openly gay actor. Fun day! And then once we made that decision, I turned to Nick and said, everyone in the cast should be openly LGBTQ. We both wanted the same thing. We wanted to be really funny, but let it be honest. This is a historical film, first of its kind. So many people deserve to be seen who hadn't been seen. There'll be tons of new faces that people fall in love with. Nicholas and Billy have been so genius in crafting such a dynamic cast and a diverse cast. We don't see that often. Everyone's really funny. Everyone has a different comedy energy. There are also gay terrorists. And there are bi terrorists. Okay, there are trans terrorists too. Caitlyn Jenner. The sheer amount of talent that has not been utilized is mind-blowing. These people are queer and talented. Go figure. Now I have to go to a pride party and you're both too old to be in the pool. Please leave. For all of us to get to meet and celebrate something like this is truly an honor. Studio, Nick, Judd, everyone said from the beginning it has to be authentic. Oh my god, do you guys remember straight people? Yeah, they had a nice run. Now in that feature ad, you heard clips, little blips of interviews. Later on in the show, you're going to hear some more of those interviews, but in their full the the full version of them. So you might sit here and go, wait a minute, I heard that somewhere. Well, they sometimes do that. They just condense these some of these interviews just to a, a, a blip. But you're going to hear the full interviews later on. Now, coming up first, we're going to have co-writer Billy Eichner, who also plays Bobby. And he's going to talk about just trying to be authentic in this movie. There were specific challenges or things that I thought were very important and always worth fighting for in terms of this movie specifically, which were 
mainly centered around wanting to make sure that in making a quote-unquote gay rom-com that we were staying authentic to the experience of what it is actually like being a single gay man uh, in terms of dating and love and sex and relationships and navigating all of that in 2022 um, and having that feel real for the gay audience and for the straight audience because everyone responds to the truth. In that interview, he was talking about being honest and truthful to himself and to the project. Up next, you can hear from the director, Nicholas Stoller, and he also talks about his conversations with Billy about that's what he wanted to accomplish, being authentic, true, and honest. He loves big Hollywood romantic comedies. He loves hard comedy. Uh, he loves R-rated comedy. He likes to push it as far as it can go, and he likes to be really honest. And so from the very beginning, I said to him, like, you know, this is ultimately your story. This is my story. And the only thing that I require from this movie is the beginning, middle, and end, and that it be honest. That's, that's it. Uh, and so it was kind of a long conversation about his life, about all of that stuff and, and kind of, kind of pulling that story out of him and then putting it into the structure of the film. Coming up next, we're going to hear a little bit more from the director and he's just going to talk what this movie's about. Bros is about, uh, two men who haven't really ever had, uh, long-term relationships. Uh, Aaron and Bobby. Bobby is played by Billy Eichner. Aaron's played by Luke McFarlane. Um, and it's about the two of them. Uh, kind of being unwilling to be vulnerable, uh, like most men, and unwilling to let go of a, uh, of a lot of their issues um, as they as they slowly fall in love with one another. Judd Apatow is up next, mega producer, director of so many classic comedies. And in this interview, he talks about him personally being a fan of Billy Eichner and what he really wanted to accomplish and how, even like we talked earlier, how amazed there's not more of these movies out there. I'm a giant fan of uh, Billy Eichner's. Uh, Nick Solo and I worked together on the five-year engagement and on Undeclared and on Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Hell, we wrote Fun with Dick and Jane, the remake with Jim Carrey and Taylor Leone. So, you know, we, we like working together. Uh, we really felt like this was the kind of movie that they never make, uh, a, a gay rom-com by a major studio with a big budget. It always seemed ridiculous that there weren't hundreds of these. So we were all very excited to try to make that happen. Like in most movies, they go into it and you think, what did other films do? Let's let's look back. In this next interview, co-writer Billy Eichner talks about that, where they, they didn't have that. There was nowhere else to look in the past of, there was no blueprint for this kind of comedy. It's really kind of fun hearing him talk about that. And right after that, we're going to go right into Judd Apatow. And he's going to talk about, as a producer, what he asks his writers to do in people who he makes movies with right from the heart, right from what you know. These are really two kind of cool interviews. Check it out. Because this movie is literally the first of its kind in so many ways, there isn't much of a blueprint to follow. You know, we kept looking back and saying, well, what did the other movies do? And I was like, there are no other movies. When I produce movies like this, you know, I try to talk to people about writing from their heart and, you know, telling the type of story that, that forces them to dig deep into who they are, into what they want to express about their experiences as a human being on the planet right now. And I think that's why this script is so strong because, you know, Billy really did that. It's a very, very honest, very, very funny, you know, movie about relationships. And as we say, you know, he, he went there, you know, he, 
he, he, he's telling the truth, and I think that's why people, you know, will connect with it. Billy Eichner's up next, and he's going to talk about, since the whole cast and crew, or majority of them, were part of the queer community, it gave them permission to satirize the, the whole group without, you know, making, without being a cruel kind of making fun of, if you will. And it's really kind of cool hearing him talk about this, because I can only imagine if this might have been written by a, a heterosexual they could, they, they might have had some blowback, if you will, that what was their intent. But being that it's written, directed, and created by the queer community, they could send out those jokes and make fun of themselves. So in this interview, he talks about that, about the infighting in the community, but yet still being able to make fun of it. And immediately after that, we're going to have a clip. And in this clip, there's a group of people, they're having a meeting about the grand opening of this museum. And they're all like pitching ideas and they're like, oh, let's do this. And the and it's kind of a visual joke. There's this one line where this lady goes, hey, at these other muse- museums, they have this or that like, hanging from the ceiling. And then she says, well, why don't we have it be a lesbian? And then she flicks on the TV and it has Jodie Foster, you know, hanging from up there. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And then they're just arguing about what they should have at this opening. There is so much infighting within the community. And because I'm queer and because all the actors were going to be openly queer, it gave us permission to satirize that and say that, yes, this is important and all this is very important, but it's also really funny, right? And it gave us a chance to poke fun at ourselves. And it is a comedy. Like, I always speak very seriously about the movie and... But it really is a comedy that has literally a joke on every other line. We cannot afford to push our opening again. People will think we're in trouble. Maybe this whole place could fall apart. We need new ideas for what goes in the final Mm -hmm. wing, and we need them now. Cherry, go. You know the blue whale hanging in the Museum of Natural History? Yes. What about that, but instead of the blue whale, it's a lesbian? Oh, no. Yeah, Uh -uh. okay. Well, yeah, we can't do that. What if the final exhibit was a recreation of a queer wedding? I like that. That I don't have. Tomorrow, that is so sweet. I love that. And people can come and register for wedding gifts here. Oh, my God. No! That is old-fashioned, heteronormative nonsense. We need to get people to rethink history through a queer prism, not comfort them with another... Gay wedding, all right? It's a museum. It's not Schitt's Creek. Oh, I like but Schitt's I, oh, Creek. I love Schitt's Creek. That show has oh, layers. Right. Everyone loves Schitt's Creek. Great, okay. That's who you remind me of, Eugene Levy. Yes. Now, representation is a major point of this movie about having cast members being part of the queer community. So up next, we're going to hear from Judd Apatow, and he's going to talk about when they did the table reading for this film. And as how they were saying, I've never been in a role like this. I've never had a chance to be in this kind of environment. And it's I just I just love hearing that because in in it's like seeing that in my mind's eye, the whole cast sitting around at a table reading the script and going, Wow, for them to be part of the project is about them. And immediately after Judd, we're gonna hear from Billy Eichner just kind of going over what he thinks about that too, about finally representation. You know, we did a table read for the movie, and it was so funny. It was crazy funny, but the thing I was surprised about was that it was a very emotional reading because there were so many people there that had a feeling like, I never get these types of parts. I never feel represented. Uh, So much of the business uh, has been uh, not welcoming 
of me and to have a great part like this and a great story like this was so meaningful and you really felt it in the room that so many people deserve to be seen who hadn't been seen and so hopefully there'll be tons of new faces that people fall in love with when they see this movie. Ultimately I really think it adds to the movie in ways that are kind of hard to articulate it's not like we turn to the camera and say hey we're all lgbtq in this scene everyone you know but knowing that going into it i really think it it adds to how profound the movie is and is also is a message to hollywood and major studios to say like hey yeah like we can populate a movie and it's just as legitimate if not better right and funnier um, and more inclusive and, and all of those things, right? And so, yeah, there are a lot of reasons for doing that. And I, I'm so, that's one of the things I'm most proud of in the movie. You just heard Billy Eichner and Judd Apatow talking about representation. Up next, we're going to hear from the director, Nicholas Stoller, also talking about that. From the beginning, like, it was important to Billy and I that we have a, a, a crew that was really diverse, that we had department heads, not just like you know, the low, below department heads, but department heads that were diverse, um, not just LGBTQ, but diverse uh, in every way. Um, and it makes it makes the movie, everyone then brings different experiences to the movie, and it's a, a movie is a giant collaboration. So the more uh, experiences you have going into that collaboration, the richer your film will be. Up next, we have another clip for you. Now, in this scene, we have Billy Eichner. He's sitting with a couple in their living room. And he's talking about, I don't know if I really want to go out with this guy and just you know, sharing his insecurities about it. And then just some other stuff ensues in the conversation. And then at the very end, the, you know, the kids, they get up and they, they all start dancing. Here's that scene. I don't think I'm his type. How do you know? Because I know. He told me he likes country music and his favorite singer is Garth Brooks. What kind of gay man says his favorite singer is Garth Brooks? That scares me. Plus, I see the guys he likes. They all look exactly like him. They're all these, like, big, hot, straight-acting dudes. It's just not me. Well, is he a top or bottom? What does that have to do with anything? Maybe you're both bottoms and that's a problem. I'm not always the bottom, Edgar. Oh my God. Gay sex was more fun when straight people were uncomfortable with it. <laughs> it's kind of a funny little scene. It kind of cracks me up. Now, coming up next, we're going to hear from Luke McFarlane, who plays Aaron Shepard, the other part of this relationship. And now, in his interview, he talks about how glad he is to be working with Billy and how unique it is for him. He's never had it before, where his co star is also the writer. And he just also goes on about talking about other rom-coms, you know, in the past and how now this is adding to that footprint for future rom-coms. But before I get to those interviews, you might be asking yourself, I know Luke McFarlane from someplace. Well, he's done a lot of work from Sense, Sensibility, and Snowmen, A Valentine's Match, Chateau Christmas, Taking a Shot at Love, Christmas in My Heart, Single All the Way, Killjoys, and you also might know him from the TV show brothers and sisters that ran from 2006 to 2011. Here he is. Billy's great. I mean, I feel so, I'm so grateful to him um, because first of all, he wrote this role that I just understood. Um, but also I was really actually also super surprised because I've never been in a movie where my co-partner, my co-lead is also the writer. 
Um, so I think I, I had a certain amount of stress about that. You know, I want to be very loyal to his words. I want to say all the words correctly. But he, from the very beginning, was incredibly generous. Um, and I don't know why, maybe because I watched a lot of Billy on the Street and we all have some idea of who he is, but he was incredibly receptive, incredibly gracious, incredibly open to suggestions that I had and ideas and tweaks. So he's, he's truly been uh, a dream. Nick, our director, he's, he's great. He, from the very beginning, uh, you know, two years ago when I sort of got this opportunity, he was always interested in my experiences and as a gay man and as a, you know, a fellow actor in this project. And he was very receptive to sort of ideas and suggestions in my experience. I think like any great director, you sort of listen to what's in front of you and you try to build it in if it makes sense. And uh, he's always done that. I, I adore him. He's also funny. He's funny. I think an important part of this being a rom-com is that we're sort of adding to the canon of the other rom-coms we've seen before. The, the, the people on the outside that come together and, and that becomes part of the canon of, you know, love. And we see these different kinds of love and we've seen these in these great rom-coms over time. And um, we're now adding this other piece to the rom-com canon. These two people can also fall in love in a sweet, funny, loving... Um, self-deprecating that time sort of way. Now we have another scene for you. Now in this clip, we have Billy Eichner and Luke. They're flirting over texting. They just kind of cut back and forth to them speaking in their heads, but they're actually typing back and forth. I woke up laughing about you so rudely calling me out on my... Well, you deserved it, bitch. Honestly, I was impressed. You may be more emotionally unavailable than I am. Well, maybe we can be emotionally unavailable together. Maybe we can be emotionally unavailable together. Who's writing your texts, Maroon 5? Kidding. We can go out. Are you asking me out? I'm down for whatever. Yeah, same. Cool. Sounds good. So, tomorrow? Or we can do whenever. Yeah, I can do whenever and I can do whatever. I don't care what we do. Yeah, me neither. We can do whatever and we can do it whenever. Does that work for you? Yeah, that definitely works. Great. Whatever, whenever. Cool. Whatever, whenever. GIF of Michael Scott dancing. That's good. Office GIF? This person isn't gay. Heart. Oh, no. Unheart. Thumbs up. Peace. Peace. Later. Can't you heart my later, bitch? Bye. Now, we've heard people talk about re representation earlier in the show. Up next, we're going to hear from Luke McFarlane speaking about that. But then also, he talks about watching this movie in a theater with a group of people because so much of the stuff in the past has made people sometimes feel uncomfortable or what have you but just the idea of sharing this experience with everybody. Whenever I think about representation, I just think about my experience as a kid and what it would mean uh, to see someone like myself on camera and how much I would have changed the course of my life and the course of my happiness. So that's why it's important. And I know that sounds really overdone, but it, it's for the generation coming up to just see people and say, that's also okay. So here is my feeling about why we want to see this in, in the presence of other people, especially with the LGBT experience. A lot of it is so private. Um, people are ashamed. Shame is part of the gay experience. So <laughs> what better way to sort of exercise that um, the thing we're trying to talk about is to be around other people that have different experiences so that you can see and experience other people's reaction to things that might make them uncomfortable or what somebody would laugh at versus what somebody else would laugh at. I, I, I think privacy is important and 
publicness is also really important. I think that's another theme of our movie, the publicness of these kinds of relationships. So I think that wants to be experienced around other people. Representation is such, it's just a crazy beast when you really think about it. Just look back at all the shows and movies up until just, you know, the last 20 or so years, it was always just the white heterosexual people or the wealthier people. Anytime any other minority was shown, whether it be people of color or people of other sexual orientation, they were either shown as, you know, dirt poor if you're a person of color, or if there was a gay character, they were so over the top, they, you know, it was just almost like a joke. They never showed them in a serious relationship. So I can't even imagine growing up like that because I was always represented. That's not the right word, but I was always seeing myself on TV. But for all those other people out there, they never had anything. And I didn't start thinking about that until years later as I grew up. I'm like, wow, there's nobody out there for other people who are living a different kind of life. And it must be just so, uh, oh, I, it must be so difficult. But now finally, the world has come together and waking up that we are all in this. We all experience love, this, that, or whatever. But now finally, all groups are being shown that yes, these people fall in love. These people fall in love. It's not just the same group all the time. So I, this is just really wonderful to see all kind of movies, you know, or comedies, dramas, whatever, representing everybody. So all those little kids out there can look up on the screen and say, there I am. Because I can't imagine being somebody who's dealing with those emotions at that age and you don't ever see it seen everywhere, anywhere. So you feel alone and isolated must be just a weird, unhealthy thing to go through. But anyway, didn't mean to go on a you know, long tirade there, but that's just, it's just nice to see. Now coming up next, we have a clip. Now in this clip, the, both those guys are out in the city park and they're just kind of joking back and forth to each other and they do this playful fighting. So they start, you know, pushing each other, you know, you know, flirting kind of stuff deal. And then a group of guys that are like, out, you know, playing soccer or whatever nearby, come running over because they think they're fighting. Hey guys, what's going on? But then at that moment, they, they embrace and have a giant kiss and they're like, oh, 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 hey, okay, sorry, our bad. Anyway, here's that scene. You like dumb guys. What? Yeah, you heard me. I see what you like. You like these big, like, bro-y, like, meathead idiots. Oh, is that what you like, Aaron? Yeah, you want to play with the big boys, huh? Oh, look, Aaron, they're fighting. You want to be in the fight? Yeah, you like that? Hey. Yeah, I can be tough. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can be tough oh, like your you boys. Like you can stop yeah. that. Oh, that's what you like, huh? Oh, now you're yeah, on my blanket, okay. bro. Yeah, yeah, get on oh, my blanket, blanket, bro. Oh, now you want yeah, on my big blanket? Yeah. Now you want to be on my big blanket? Yeah, yeah. I can be aggressive. Oh, oh there you are. I'm there you are. I can be... Yeah? Oh, yeah. What's going on? Now, coming up next, we're going to play two interviews back-to-back. First, we're going to hear from Judd Apatow, and he's going to talk about how everybody could relate to this kind of story. And then we're going to hear from Billy Eichner, and he's going to talk about what he was trying to accomplish with this movie. Well, everybody relates to wanting to be happy, wanting to feel connected, to be in love, to feel supported, to feel understood and respected. So there really is nothing about uh, a movie like this that isn't fully relatable and universal. 
aside from all the historic stuff and all the serious themes that are woven throughout the movie, we, we wanted to make a really funny movie, and people seem to be laughing consistently throughout the movie. And so I was relieved about that and happy about that, and also it, it is incredibly emotional. Now, coming up next, we have the TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. It's the red carpet. This is the part I sometimes struggle with. I'm just going to let them speak because sometimes I know he gets sick of me just interrupting after in every interview. So this, I'll just give you the list of who's in what order they're going to be talking. First, Judd Apatow, Billy Eichner, Luke McFarlane, Guy Branham, who plays Henry, Dot Marie Jones, who plays Cherry, Jim Rash, who plays Roberts, T.S. Madison, who plays Angela, then Eve Lindley, who plays Tamara, and then finally we're going to end up with the director, Nicholas Stoller. And this is, again, from the Toronto International Film Festival, on the red carpet, and sometimes just, you know, you just want to hear from them anyway. Here they are. Nick, you know, came to me and said that him and Billy wanted to do a romantic comedy, and I just thought it was a fantastic idea, and they just worked so hard for a long time to have it really be hilarious and romantic and special, and I'm just so glad that people are responding in such a giant way. As it evolved, we really started getting the sense that something kind of wonderful was happening. And then we did a table read with the cast, and it was really funny and very emotional. And I thought, yeah, we really have something here. There's 2,000 people in this crowd. So, I mean, it's just going to be fun to see a, a comedy with a lot of people. We've all been watching comedies alone in our rooms. It's about time we went to the theater and watched it with a lot of people. It's thrilling. It's surreal. It's really like a dream. I mean... Just getting to make this movie, which is such a rare movie to be made at this scale with this level of support from a studio like Universal, that was really the reward, honestly. Um, this is, I don't even know, this is like a dream. I could have never imagined that we would premiere here or be invited to premiere here. It's really remarkable. I'm really excited. Judd and Nick and I, the thing that bonds us more than anything is that we just love making people laugh and we love a hard comedy. You know, we like a comedy that makes you laugh out loud consistently, has explosively funny physical comedy. Uh, you know, a movie where you leave the theater and you're like, damn, that was really funny. And also warm and heartwarming and uplifting. A really a feel-good movie. We don't really get a lot of those anymore. And to have that experience in a the movie theater is really magical. These guys really know how to make a comedy blockbuster, and they they showed me how to do it. Um, and, you know, what's cool about this is that we're seeing that type of movie, but about characters that you've never really seen a big movie like this built around. There was a really special feeling on set with this movie. Everyone was so happy and grateful to be there, no one more than me, but everyone in the cast, I think because we're all openly LGBTQ and we've had to navigate this industry and this world, which can be challenging, especially the entertainment industry, especially going back, you know, you know, past the last five years or so when things did start to evolve. You know, we're, we're from different corners of the community and we haven't had the same challenges, but we've all had challenges because of that and it bonded us. And they're so funny, they're so delightful. And I mean, if you see the movie, you just see how funny they are. And it's amazing to discover all this talent. I think a really good comedy movie should be wall-to-wall -wall jokes because you're going to miss a couple because you're laughing and then you want to go see it a second time. I think it, like the comedy movies that I love so much, when you rewatch them, you hear things that you never heard the first time. And I think that that's part of... People that are alive and have real characters, they kind of, they improvise and sometimes the comedy is in tiny little looks, so I think we have that in our movie. I think we need to remind the world that romantic comedies are huge and important and we love them and we want them to make money and we want to see them back in the theaters. 
because that's important and it's important to cry and laugh in the theater and uh, you know it's interesting I think often comedies have been relegated to streaming platforms because we somehow decided that it's okay to watch people fall in love in your bed on a laptop but it's not okay to watch people fall in love in a big movie theater amongst a lot of people so I am here to celebrate unifyingly with a group of people in a movie theater falling in love with people. It's so exciting. Like, we made this movie, like, a year ago, and I've been watching cuts, and I've been so excited for people to get to actually see the movie. Because the thing about a comedy is, like, it's not a whole movie until you get the audience there, until you hear people laughing. And that's why it's so lovely to have a theatrical release for this movie, because people are going to get to go be in theaters and laugh with other people the way that we really haven't for a while. And so, like, getting to hear those laughs tonight is going to be such an actualization of everything we were working on a year ago. I love romantic comedies. I love comedies. And getting to work with Nick Stoller, who's like one of the best directors of romantic comedies that we have, and having him take on a queer story and really be ready to listen and learn from Billy and the rest of the cast was so amazing. Judd Apatow has been such a, like, uh, an engine for amplifying people's voices, from Trainwreck to King of Staten Island, and to have him take a queer comedian and give that same kind of respect is so wonderful. And what we need to start like diversifying who gets to be in movies these days. But it was just so lovely to have people who really know how to make a good romantic comedy listen and learn with Billy and try to do something that spoke to queer truth instead of trying to give a watered-down version of what straight people think queer life should be. There's a scene at the end of the movie um, where Billy sings a song where truly there was not a dry eye in the house when we were shooting it. And it was just such a lovely actualization of everything that Billy has done and such a lovely actualization of Bobby as a character. I was so proud of it. I mean, the best movies are the ones that have you crying with joy because you're so happy that these people are figuring themselves out. And I really hope that this is that kind of comedy. I want to cry. I mean, I've been doing this 31 years and never in my life did I think that it would come to this. I mean, yeah, there's gay characters here and there, but the whole fact that the whole cast and I think 90% of the crew are, or higher than that is LGBTQ. And we all deserve to be seen and heard. I love them. Like, And it's weird because it's like very, not very often do you get to meet, let alone work with people that, you know, that you feel like you've known your whole life. And that's like with T.S. And, and Miss Lawrence and Eve and Jim, I feel like I've known them my whole life. And, and it's, we, you know, the chosen family, sometimes they're closer than blood, and I would do anything for any one of these kids. They made sure we got what they wanted in, and then they would let us just go, and oh my God, I don't think I've laughed that hard doing anything. And we would just go, and, and I think, I've only seen it once, but I think some of the stuff that we chose, you know, our own spoof or whatever, we spun off of those in our rampage, um, <laughs> they kept, so it's pretty cool. First things first is we would shoot was on the page because it was great and uh, uh, and so once we had that the play of like Billy and, and Nick and all of us being able to like do what we all love with any improv that that comes from character you get to add more things and try more stuff and then as we move around the table someone else can like queue up with the improv that they loved and that kind of stuff but I think at the end of the day what was on the page was so strong and that makes improv much easier. Rom-coms, coming of age, these are types of movies that will never die out because we'll always fall in love and we'll always come of age. So I think that to add a whole new uh, uh, 
not take on rom-com, but take a traditional rom-com and infuse it with such a, an inclusive, diverse, new community, not new community, but a community at this vein to have a major motion picture about them, is, you know, elevates it to a whole other level. I can say this a million times. I'm so excited to be here because this movie is most definitely progressively moving our community forward. It's like letting everybody in the world know that we are and always will be here and important. What's the most exciting about it is that this movie has humanized us and it has allowed people, if people are in the movie theaters crying that are straight, they have got the human experience and understanding that we're all on this earth having a human experience. It was a pinch me moment because, you know, I grew up watching like Judd Apatow comedies and um, and loving them. And I, of course, like loved Billy on the Street. It was like everybody in this movie I like had a, it feels like I had a previous connection to, you know? So I was just talking about my love for Dot, Dot Marie Jones, who I loved on Glee. I'm a Glee, so. Um, and so yeah, it was just, it, it's really cool when you get to come to work and like work with people that you admired already, you know? The whole like groundbreaking nature of the film was sort of like lost on me at first. Like I was just excited to be working with Judd. I was excited to be like working with these people. And I didn't really understand like how historic it was. And then I like got here to TIFF and people were talking about it and like Dot was saying, you know, she's been working for 30 years and she's never been a part of anything like this. And it's kind of just hitting me now how like kind of insane and like, I mean, how, how crazy it is that this hasn't been done before and how historic and, like, I just feel so privileged to be a part of it. I feel so honored to have gotten into TIFF and I'm excited to screen the movie for not a test screening audience, but, like, a normal audience who is excited to see the movie. The test screenings were so exciting. Like, it, the, the first test first test screening score is the highest test screening score I've ever gotten on a first screen. It was crazy. And so the movie always kind of worked, which is really exciting uh, and, really, and a relief for me. Um, and it, the whole experience was, was, it was a great experience. It was really fun. And the movie, I think, turned out well. So I'm excited to put it out there. It's so important with any movie that I make to be as specific as possible to the character or to the piece of talent that I'm working with. And Billy's story is very specific. And the more specific you are with the story, the more relatable the movie is. Uh, and so it, it, the only conversation that Billy and I had was for the movie to be really honest and also to be really, really fun. Those are the two things. And the minute we decided to do it, to cast it with an entirely LGBTQ audience, I mean, LGBTQ cast, I knew that uh, it would be the right thing for the movie, but it also would result in a cast you've never seen before and performers you've never seen before, and that that would be really fun for for the audience. No, that was writer-director Nicholas Stoller from the red carpet at TIFF. And in case you didn't, didn't know what TIFF is, Toronto International Film Festival. And he made some really cool points when, in that during those interviews. And I've been thinking about this too for a while. We often have movies from that community played by non-gay characters and you know being an actor you can do that i'm not that's not what anybody's saying i don't think it's refreshing to know that people who were gay in real life played those characters and other cast members also were and people on the crew so they had understanding especially since it's a comedy because very rare has a major studio like they said i don't know if it's ever been done a major film studio making a rom-com about a, you know, a gay relationship. A lot has been done in dramas. We've all seen them. 
very, very strong emotional movies about that, especially for the women kind of movies. It's it's always something very, very emotional and deep and usually period pieces. And they're outstandingly well done, but they've never been by a major studio. And I think everybody was always afraid to do a rom-com, especially a raunchy rom-com with like Judd Apatow, because he does such a great job making those kind of movies. So I think most studios were afraid walking that line of, okay, you want to be funny, but you don't want to be like actually trying to make fun of people. So being written by a gay man and directed by one, I think they're able to make fun of themselves, but not making fun of themselves, if that makes sense. So I think this is really a big step in in that community where now you can make a comedy with all different kinds of people but it's not done in a slanderous way. So I think that's what really big step this movie is making. Major studio and made by the people who are part of the community. And also, in wrapping it up in a quick nutshell, it's kind of like one of those things. You can make fun of your your own family, but nobody else can. So I'm, maybe I'm way out of line on this one. A comedy being made by that community, for that community, they're, they know they're not doing it to be malicious. So I, that's the way I was looking at it. Thinking... All right, I could rip my friends and family all day long, but you can't. That whole philosophy. I could be way wrong on that. I don't know. Sounds good to me, but I could be wrong. Now, if you're interested in watching a TV version of this, go to Bloomington, Minnesota's webpage. There's several of these shows on demand. Watch it anytime you want. That way you could see the interviews and watch the scenes. And on this episode, I have some B-roll, some on-the-set footage. So if you're interested in on-the-set stuff like I am, watch the show there. Go to bit.ly backward slash cinema judge. That's like bit, bit.ly backward slash cinema judge. The show will be there with several others. Watch it anytime you want. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at bros. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve this show, please let me know. Cinemajudge at hotmail.com or on Instagram. Cinema Judge, Twitter, The Cinema Judge, whatever you want to do. I would love to know what I'm doing right or wrong, because I can't grow if I don't know. Now, it's shout-out time. For every one of you who took time out of your busy life to listen to the last episode, I hope my voice finds you well. For those of you listening at home, in your car, driving to work, whatever you're doing, this is for you, and I really appreciate it. But this shout-out is only for people who listened to the last episode. For all of you who listen to past catalog ones, I so appreciate that. From whether it's you know two weeks ago or two years ago, don't think I don't care because I do. It's just much harder to find out, you know, where somebody listened to because it's been so long and I can never remember what last city was there. You know what I mean. So these shoutouts are for the people who listened to the last episode. So wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. To all my listeners from the United States. Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, Argentina, Germany, Mexico, France. You guys are so awesome. Taking time out of your life. I, I do a standing O, a little happy dance every time I see anybody show up. So just because I'm blown by these cities or towns or whatever, don't think I, when I see that stuff, I don't do a happy dance because I do. Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, Chicago, Illinois, Liverpool, Toronto, Ontario, Melbourne, Victoria, 
Vancouver, British Columbia, Pasadena, California, Littleton, Colorado, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, Santa Fe, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, Northfield, Minnesota, Holyoke, Mass., Superior, Wisconsin, Frankfurt AM, Maine, Hess, and Bloomington, Minnesota. And that's just to name a few. Thanks to every one of you. And thanks for sharing the show. If you do like the show, first-time listener, like it, follow it, whatever you want to do, or just share it with people you know. The more, the merrier. But now, you know what time it is. It's bourbon shout-out time. It goes to a couple people today. First of all, the two guys that helped me out at Target. You guys let me ramble about the show, and you listened. I really appreciate that. And the other guy that had to head back to Wisconsin, I hope your your trip was safe. And it was so great talking to you both. But also to my dearest, dearest friend, Annette. A couple of days ago, I was having one of those horrible nights. You took time out of your life. We chatted for hours. It was a great time. It's It feels like it's been too long since we chatted. It obviously hasn't. But sometimes you just, I need it. To you, Annette, I thank you with all my heart. I really appreciate you. Cheers. But now it's the music section. What is the music section, you ask? This is what it is. This is a primarily, or starts off as a TV show. And when I'm doing a TV show, I could crank tunes all night long. And that's what I usually end up doing. And when I was making bros, I was I was in a you know memory lane type you know mood. I don't know. I just wanted something fun and light and just I don't know whatever. So I put on classic Kiss. Their earlier stuff, I just eat that up, eat that stuff up sometimes from their first album and so on. They have so many memorable songs. You know, it just, I remember growing up with them. I mean, I even had trading cards of Kiss back in the day. Just like I collected baseball cards, you know, football cards and hockey cards. But I also had KISS cards. And when you flipped them over, they had like this little design on it. And then when you put them all together, it had a giant, like it was a lit up thing at their concert saying KISS. Every once in a while I get a wild hair and I just go down that line. And, and I don't, you know, judge me all you want. I even love that, the disco KISS. I know, I know, don't judge me. But man... Some of those at early stuff just a rocks, and then some of it just just fun. So if you ever have a little tickle, throw on some classic Kiss. You'll love it. Trust me. You know, if I really stopped and thought about it, you know, they're very close to probably one of the one of the bands where I've seen them the most times. You know, I've seen a lot of bands a lot of times. You know, if I really thought about it, but why not? They always put on a killer show. If they ever come back around again for another retirement or final farewell tour, you gotta go. It's pure show and entertainment. And then I moved on. I was I wanted some Leonard Cohen. I listened to his greatest hits. Do yourself a huge favor. He is just a master or was but is a master at just all things great. Find his greatest hits, give it a play, legendary songs on there. Well that is it. My glass is full, I'm thirsty So cheers to you and to the movies. So until next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 